0: Kristen, I'm a critic, as you know, and I like to make top ten lists. That's yes, what, you do. That's what critics do. That's all, it's all we actually ever really do is make lists. Do you know
1: how to count past ten?
0: <laughs> one, one year actually – was it earlier this year? I can't remember. One year uh, Newsday made us, uh, uh, made us do a top 12. I think it was because it was 2012. I never figured out Why? <laughs> but, we, but we we had to do a top 12. Uh, now we're back to top 10, thankfully. Um, I guess that gimmick didn't work. But have you ever – do you make lists? Do you make top 10 lists, Kristen?
1: Um, I, I make lists, but they're usually absurdist, like ridiculous, like, oh, here are the – Top 10 body parts to eat of mine if we're trapped in some sort of cannibalistic <laughs> island kill to the death situation. Oh sort of OK. Thing. yeah. Mm. Um, top 10 reasons why Canada is jealous of us. Top 10 like, oh, they're I like ridi- those. they're ridiculous ones. They're never actually useful, like
0: the lists you come up with. <laughs> my lists aren't <laughs> useful. Your, your, your lists are so useful. <laughs> the one I'm working on now, just in my, just in my head, are um, top 10 songs that should never be covered by anyone. That's my number you one. You know what
1: my list is?: what? Zero.
0: Zero? Every oh. song should be covered. No. Stairway to Heaven? You don't want to hear that covered oh, by okay. anyone. You're, you're right. Okay,
1: you're right. You're totally That's right. That's number one.
0: Anyway, <laughs> listeners, feel free. Feel free to throw me a few more suggestions. This list will be of no use to anyone. It's just in my head. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because you and I have made a top – well, we, not just a top ten list. We made a top 8 Woohoo! Even right? better. Top Stitcher, eight. Stitcher yes. uh, has voted us uh, for our recent podcast on The Hunger Games. They voted us in the top eight for our coverage Of Hunger Games Catching Fire. We We were were number four. We were number four. And we're not going to tell you what the other podcasts were because we don't want you to listen to them. (laughs) Don't go go hear any of those. Ours is better than any of those anyway. But it's cool that we got voted into the top ten. Our
1: listeners make us
0: great, though. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.
1: We'd be nothing without you. All
0: right. Let's see if there's a top ten movie of the year anywhere in our next selection of five, count them, five movies that we're going to review for this Thanksgiving weekend. Are you ready, Kristen? Oh, I'm hoping there is. All I'm right. hoping so. Let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday.
1: And I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Yeah, Happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm thankful for all the great movies that have come out this year, <laughs> and maybe I'm lying because there were some really bad ones too. That's right.
0: <laughs> right,
1: and and as every year, I'm thankful for you, Rafer, and I'm thankful for our podcast and for our listeners.
0: Me too. Me too, Kristen. All right, let's talk about and see if we are thankful at all for Mandela. Long Walk to Freedom. This is the long-awaited, long-in-the-wrks, works uh, 25
1: years, I, 20, in the making. twenty-five
0: years in the making movie about Nelson Mandela. Kristen, do you want to do you want to attempt a synopsis <laughs> of the life of Nelson Mandela? This
1: is this is based on his autobiography, Mandela: Long Walk to Freedom, and this is covering over fifty years. Yeah. This is covering from the time he does his coming-of-age ritual as a teenage boy. All the way till he's elected right. as president. So there's a lot that goes on here. There is his younger years. There's his falling in love with Winnie, his wife. There's all his philandering. There's his work as an attorney. There's his life as an activist. Yep. Uh, and, of course, uh, his being arrested, his time incarcerated, 27 years. Yes, um,
0: imprisonment on yeah. Robben Island. Yeah, sort yeah. of a, sort of a gulag in South Africa. Yeah
1: his negotiations with the government, his eventual rise to power and election as president. There is so much (laughs) in this movie, but that's the summary. And here is a clip. You are Nelson Mandela. And you are Winnie Madikazela. How do you know? I made inquiries. And what else did you find out? That you work at Baraguanuf Hospital. You are the first black social worker they've ever hired
0: and you are the most beautiful girl
1: I've ever
0: seen. That is Idris Elba as Nelson Mandela and Naomi Harris, uh, a former Bond girl from Skyfall, as Winnie Mandela, the future Winnie Mandela there in that scene. So, Kristen, what, before we get to the, the meat of the film, how did you like the characters? What did you think of the actors? Well,
1: initially I thought, Idris Elba, this seems like such a weird casting decision. He doesn't look anything like Nelson Mandela. Mm. Um, and I, so I was a little bit surprised that they selected him. And yet he does such a great job yeah. in this movie. Every time he's on screen, he's just so magnetic and he's so – I mean, he's, he embodies Mandela in a totally different way than how we're used to seeing him as – we usually see Mandela as the gray old man. Sure,
0: the, snow, the snowy it's, hair. Yeah and, and, yeah.
1: and in this one, you see him as physically a, a different kind of man. That's true. You see true. him as young. You see him as powerful. You see – Why he can get away with being a philanderer. Ladies love him, you know?
0: (laughs) They sure do. They
1: sure do. And so I, I thought it was great seeing him in this role, even though initially I was a little suspicious of it. And Naomi Harris. I, I thought she was great too. I mean, yeah, I, I was
0: surprised actually at how good she was.
1: Yeah, I really just I loved her every time she was on screen. I would have loved for there to have been more screen time for her, actually.
0: Yeah, she's 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 an interesting character because she goes through. Even though we see uh, uh, Nelson Mandela go through a little bit of an arc where he starts out preaching nonviolence. Turns briefly to violence, um, not in terms of uh, direct killing of anybody but in terms of property destruction at least, fire bombings and things in which some of his own crew die uh, and then to his imprisonment and so on. She goes through a more interesting arc because she gets so angry and she – her heart just sort of cannot take the abuse that she endures at the hands of the apartheid Regime and at the hands of of these white people in South Africa, and she kind of she cannot forgive them, and she gets angrier and angrier and angrier in the film until eventually um, there's a kind of a, a a wide ideological gap, I guess, between her and Nelson. I thought that was pretty interesting, and I thought she was really good and really believable uh, now, as that character.
1: No, I'm almost thinking the movie might have been better if it was just her.
0: Well, there was a Winnie film <laughs> that came out not too long ago, right, uh, uh, with, I think, Jennifer Hudson. Am I right about that? Winnie? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. a, a complete—just right. completely— um, uh,
1: Under the radar.
0: Not just under the radar, but, I mean, it just—it it's it got terrible reviews when it first uh, premiered at, at a festival or two. And then I think they tried to rush into theaters because, A, Mandela was Coming out, and also there were a lot of these other films, with that were that were telling largely black stories that had largely black casts, African American filmmakers, um, you know. Uh, and I think that film tried to get kind of squeezed into that rush, but it just got it got crushed, and nobody went to see it, mm. um, including us, including us. <laughs> there was there were so few screenings, that it, and it opened on so few screens that I just I couldn't spare the manpower. Sorry, sorry, Winnie, mm-hmm. but I know what you're saying. She might have been more a more interesting character. I think. One of the big problems with this movie is that um, they are kind of the only two characters in the whole film, really. I mean, there's there's
1: get y- little glimpses of their kids, little tiny glimpses of those who work with Nelson Mandela yeah, I mean, in his activist work, and bit parts. Yeah, just tiny little parts. But I also think uh, one of the problems is they're just trying to cover too much here.
0: Oh wait, yeah, we well, just yes. don't
1: need every single moment of all these years, and I think that. It would have – that's one reason why I think maybe it would have been better to focus on winning. Maybe it would have been better to focus on a few moments or a couple more characters and go in depth with them rather than try to cover everything. I felt like I was reading some sort of crib sheet note card where it's like, totally. here's another note card of this. Here's another note card. This is what happened next. This well, the is what first, happened next. The
0: first third if not the first half of the film is just is just a, is a, a rush of like dates – Places, people—you know these. There's all these pivotal events that take place in like, like. There was one scene I can't—I can't remember which one it was. There was one scene that that took seven seconds, and it was—it was like getting married. You mean? Yeah, it was like it was like <laughs> there was the getting married, there was the divorce from his wife, there was the I have a girlfriend, I'm divorcing you. Now I'm getting married. I'm renouncing violence. I'm—you know—the whole. I kind I just felt like. God, you know, you've got little bits of news ca you know, news broadcasts that are saying, Massacre in this town, you know, then Massacre in another town. And it just after a while I kind of thought, holy God, is the whole film gonna be like this? Like these little ten second blips of history? And then finally when he gets to Robin Island and the film gets to slow down because he's sort of in one place mm-hmm. and he's stuck in this place and from from that point on, the film gets a little more interesting, and I also think it gets more interesting because now apartheid, the the film's villain, apartheid, kind of has a face. You get those negotiators, mm-hmm. you get President Clerk, uh, not a, not really a villain, uh, but you can put up you can put some faces to this. Yeah, and all the prison guards too, right? And the prison guards, right? And the and the and the, and the leader of the prison camp, um, that helped. But I think it just. It got sunk by this classic Hollywood biopic formula, which is you got to squeeze it all in, make it look right, get the costumes right, get the details right, and you know, and don't miss a beat, and and pack every single moment in a life into the whole freaking movie, and yeah. it, it and doesn't I,
1: work. No, it doesn't. And I hate to say it, Invictus was a better movie.
0: Invictus was was more in, exciting in, and in more Victus, fun and more it's interesting. Just
1: focusing on a little tiny, tiny sliver of his life. And that little sliver says so much more about who he is as a man and a character yeah. than a movie that's two and a half hours long trying to fit everything in where you don't necessarily get a full sense of him as a man. Yeah. You get a sense of him as uh, – a you know, a book report.
0: I, I agree. <laughs> so you're saying what? Not a very good date. Not the
1: best date. No, not the, not the I, best I think that not it's bad. probably better. I think it's. I, I will say one last thing about it, though. I thought the period details and the costumes were terrific, oh, it looks and wonderful. I really thought it, it looked beautiful. It's it a looked, wonderful looking. Movie. It looked great. The two lead actors are great, but the movie itself not so great. And not you know, a, not a you great know,
0: date. What I think the real bummer is too. I don't think you and I will live to see someone else try to tell this story again.
1: It'll take another twenty five years, l- and you're saying we'll be dead in twenty five years. No, I'm just saying, like,
0: like it's like it's like you, you, they did Gandhi, they did Lawrence of Arabia. Is anyone going to tell? Is anyone going to say, you know what movie I want to make? Gandhi. <laughs> no, I just when's the next time someone's going to say, I want to make another movie about the life of Nelson Mandela. I just I think that was it, and that's kind mm. of a bummer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway,
1: so Reefer, let's. Talk about another completely different film. Completely different, "Old Boy" by Spike Lee.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this is uh, this is the new Spike Lee joint. Uh, not, I think, what most people are expecting from Spike Lee. It is a remake of a, a Korean movie, right? A Korean film from I think 2005 called "Old Boy," uh, which has gone down as kind of a. Uh, some some somewhere between a a cult hit and a a masterpiece some some somewhere in there i think the 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 standing of of old boy amongst fans of korean cinema and kind of action pulp cinema is very high it's a beloved film about an advertising executive goes out and has a particularly blotto evening one night wakes up in a crummy hotel room with a bed and a shower and a television but no exit no way to get out He's kept there for about 20 years with no explanation, doesn't know why. And then one day, suddenly, he's let go. He's set free.
1: Now, I have to say, I really wanted to see this movie. I was missing all the screenings. There were lots of screenings. I kept missing all of them. But the premise seemed potentially
0: incredible to jump off of. It's fascinating, right? it yeah, 's it's, it's based a on a strange, uh, yeah. strange premise. It's based on a Japanese uh, manga. Oh, do we and, ever find out why he was imprisoned? Well, there, in this film, in Spike Lee's version, uh, which is very similar to the original, uh, there, uh, jo- Josh Brolin plays the advertising executive named Joe Doucette, and he, when he is released, meets a mysterious billionaire played by Charlotte Copley from District 9 and oh, yeah, Elysium. Yeah. And uh, this mysterious billionaire, who I will not name, I don't want to spoil too much, basically offers Joe uh, a deal and says, if you can figure out why it is that I imprisoned you for all this time, I will gladly put a bullet into my own head in front of you. Ooh! That's the offer, and now Joe has to do some sleuthing and find out what has happened to him. Here's a clip.
1: Your friend Chucky called me because you were in really bad shape.
0: I'm all right now, so I can get out of here. No, you're far from all right. What are you doing here? You didn't call the police. No, I didn't. Why? I believe you. I should mention also that there, there's a there's a, a female love interest, as there always is, uh, played by Elizabeth Olsen, who is a, oh, I love Elizabeth yeah, Olsen. I, as do I. Um, and she plays a like a social worker, like a, uh, what would you call her? Like a street doctor slash nurse who tends to uh, the homeless. And she takes uh, Joe under her wing, so I I think the original film it was such a was such a weird weird movie, and there's only so much I can say without spoiling it, so I'm, I'll keep this brief. The original film was was this weird combination of hard-boiled film noir and like cheapo martial arts chopsaki with you know uh, fighting sequences that were outlandish and ridiculous and. Kind of Looney Tunes humor and slapstick, and then also this uh, thriller, this sort of psychological thriller uh, uh, subtext, or this sort of plot that goes through it. This theme that's really kind of sordid and gross. This whole thing sounds weird. It's a completely strange film. A lot of fun. Somehow Spike Lee's version just doesn't just doesn't work. Spike Lee is not the filmmaker to be tackling this kind of Quentin Tarantino-ish. Realm, and uh, it—he can't. I don't think that he finds. I don't think he finds the humor that funny, so the humor doesn't really come off that well. I don't think Spike Lee is great at handling exploitation, wacko splatter violence. That well, I don't think he sees the the joke and the humor in it, so it comes off as very serious and not that entertaining. More just scary and yeah, grim. <laughs> well, more, yeah, more just kind of uh, I don't know what uh, I don't know what it just it doesn't really it doesn't really make an impact on you except in kind of an initially unpleasant way. Um, and I think he does a lot of other weird things. One of which is to cast Samuel L. Jackson as one of uh, Joe Dusets torturers but he dresses Samuel Jackson up in a little weird blonde tuft on top of his head and a like a purple frock coat so he looks almost exactly like the superhero that he played in Unbreakable and I I, I just kept thinking what are you doing what are you, what is why did you do that and there are a lot of moments in the movie like that I just I just think it's a weird choice for Spike Lee I'm going to say this was not a very good date. Oh. And I like Spike Lee is the thing and I love Josh Brolin.
1: Oh, that makes me so sad. I like I like them too and I really just love the premise of this and I'm sorry to hear that it wasn't a good I date. I know,
0: I know. But, you know, if you haven't seen the original, it's uh, it's definitely worth checking out. You can you can rent that on iTunes, on video on demand anywhere.
1: All right. Well, let's make uh, another abrupt shift to something a little <laughs> bit more seasonably cuddly, yeah. Black Nativity. This is based on the libretto of Langston Hughes, right. and it's a Christmas parable, a story of a uh, single mom who's estranged from her parents, played by Jennifer Hudson, living in Baltimore with her son. She is on hard times. She sends her son up to live with his grandparents, who he's never really met. The very well-to-do reverend and his wife who live in Harlem, played by Forrest Whitaker and Angela Bassett. And along the way, we find out some background on how they became estranged. And there's obviously quite a bit of Jesus in this. There's, okay. you know, it's, it is called black nativity. <laughs> yes. yes, All right. So, so for folks out there who aren't into a biblical story, just, I have to warn you in advance, there's lots of church in this. And of course, since Forrest Whitaker is playing a pastor, there is going to be a little bit of uh, biblical quoting as well. Here's a clip.
2: Choose for yourselves this day, which God you will serve. But as for me, And my house, we will serve the Lord. It's quite a cast.
1: It's quite a cast. And as you know, I love Jennifer Hudson. And every time she sings, it is just phenomenal. I have to point out, this is a musical. Yeah, Lots of singing in this. Jennifer Hudson just electrifying
0: every time she sounds. Really?
1: So great. I love Jennifer Hudson. You're a
0: bigger fan than I am. I've got nothing against her, but I think you're, you just you're, a, bigger, you're yeah. a bigger Jennifer Hudson fan.
1: I, I think she's definitely the one who, whenever she's on screen in this movie, you get very excited about. You get chills and isn't, so on. Isn't Mary J. in this? Mary J. Blige is also in this. Yes, that's, that's there's quite a cast. Yeah. But, but I do have to point out that this is being a sweet little Christmas parable, something that probably would have worked on a smaller scale better. I think if it was a 44-minute mm. television special that uh, was for one, you know, aired for one hour with commercial breaks, I think it would have worked a lot better. It doesn't need to be an hour and a half feature film.
0: There's sort of not enough to pad it out to the no, 90 minutes or so. No, it's kind of
1: like, it's you know, years and years and years ago there was an adaptation of The Gift of the Magi, which is, by do the you know o, that yeah, story, the but, o, the o Henry story? Yeah, it's like oh, I I sold my hair to buy you this chain for your watch. Oh, really? I sold my watch to, to buy you to these buy special you. combs for your hair. <laughs> you know, and that whole thing has been done on Sesame Street in a three-minute <laughs> story <laughs> with. With with Burton Ernie, um, and yet they uh, turned this once sh- into a movie starring Marie Osmond, and the movie was two hours long. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the Marie Osmond movie years and years and years ago, but that's Somehow kind of how I, I felt. missed that one. <laughs> Check it out for okay. no other reason to see how they stretch out <laughs> a five minute story into two hours. But I kind of felt the same way with Black Nativity. The singing was great, uh, the acting was great, but I just felt there was. Too much padding in this. It should have been tightened up. Would have loved to have seen it half the length. So because of that, I can't give it a great date rating. I'm going to give it a mediocre date rating.
0: I'm sorry to hear that. I actually spoke to the director, writer, Casey, excuse me, Casey Lemons um, several months ago, Well, long before the film had come out. Uh, for a different story I was doing and um, it was interesting talking to her about the Langston Hughes play, which is from s- 1961 or yeah. so, long time ago. About 50 years old. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I think m- most people aren't that aware of that. I certainly wasn't. Um, but I think it has this really uh, – I think there are certain black communities uh, kind of around the country that put it on year after year after year and have for decades and decades. Uh, including one in or near Boston, and mm. that's where she said she first saw it as a child, and um, you know really wanted to kind of bring it to the screen. Um,
1: they always had it in Minneapolis every year too.
0: Oh, is that right? Yep. It was com- Black the
1: Nativity ho- was a big deal in Minneapolis oh, when I was idea growing up. it
0: was, a, was complete news to me. Anyway that, that's why it kind of that's why it kind of interested me. Um, anyway, all right. Well, that's too bad. Um, let's hear about Homefront, though. You think which, we got, which, let's let's see if we got better luck on Homefront.
1: Yeah, because you know. It, it makes me want to go home for the holidays when I hear that title, but I have a feeling it's not about going home <laughs> for the holidays. That's not
0: really what this film is about. But I, that, let's, Let me let me just ask listeners out there, and I'd be fascinated, if you want to call or write in, I'd be fascinated to tell me if you can name a movie with a weirder cast than this, Homefront. First of all, you've got, as a DEA agent, Jason Statham. All right. Next, you've got a this kind of vicious, nasty, backwoods Louisiana junkie played by Kate Bosworth. Her brother, a a meth dealer named Gator Bodine, is played by James Franco, and his sleazeball, former prostitute, junkie girlfriend is played by Winona Ryder. Awesome. I just want to say, when the movie began and Jason Statham shows up, He's part of a biker gang, and he's got hair that's like down to his shoulders.
1: <laughs> Jason Statham and with long lustrous lashes. I just thought, like Fabio.
0: This is already the best movie I've ever seen. <gasps> <Ooh. laughs> that, how how could this not be awesome? Jason Statham has got like John Bon Jovi's hair. This is this is going to be so good. And I know that I'm seeing James Franco soon. I know that I'm seeing Winona Ryder soon. How can this not be good? Plus, did I mention that the screenwriter? is Sylvester Stallone. Oh, my God. All right. What? Here's a what? clip. Yeah, we've never been properly introduced, you know, man. Hmm.
2: Well, I won't ask your name. I personally believe a reputation is the most important thing. It's I'm pissed off some of the locals. Look, I don't want any more problems. Okay? All
1: right, so this is
0: obviously the best movie of the year, right? Sadly, it's not. Oh. The whole thing just spirals down into just a complete pit of boredom until I, I until I just thought how could any movie that starts off so well get so boring so fast you've got J, you've got James Franco walking around with his Spring Breakers accent and a little mustache and a and a and a gas station shirt <laughs> that says Gator and he's got a baseball bat and he's kneecapping teenagers because they're buying their meth from someplace else and the movie is still just completely boring I could not believe it I was so disappointed this really could have been like a Gonzo Whack job, fun action thriller like a, I don't know what, like a Roadhouse or something, and it's just not. It's a complete bummer. And I was, it was, I was, I felt so cheated from those first opening minutes of Jason Statham with hair.
1: That just sucks. Like you, when you go on a date with Jason Statham with hair, yeah, you want that date to go someplace. But
0: the thing is, he was undercover, and then he takes the hair off.
1: Oh, bummer. This Bummer. Date sucks. That's what
0: I'm saying. This that that date sucked. It's so true. It's so true. Sorry everybody. So far we're not
1: doing fantastically not, well with no. our Thanksgiving movie selections. No. We're
0: kind of oh, kind of 0 oh for 5 at this point, but we've got one left, Kristen.
1: Yes. We have the highly anticipated Walt Disney Animation Studios' latest offering, Frozen. And you might remember they also made uh, Tangled, which right. was based on the Rapunzel story. This one is based on the Ice Queen, Hans Christian Andersen's story, loosely based on it. Yeah. We have two sisters, two princesses, and one of the princesses is voiced by Kristen Bell and the other by Adina Menzel, Broadway star. And the sisters... Become estranged. One sister goes off into the mountains after cursing her kingdom with an eternal winter. Yes, right. And somewhat uh, accidental. Somewhat accidentally. She was born. She
0: was born with kind of winter powers, and and wasn't able to use them. And. And when she becomes a queen they, they're sort of accidentally unleashed and in, in, in a in a fit of I don't know what, guilt and embarrassment and horror. She runs away off into the mountains.
1: Yes, and her younger sister says, I need to bring her back. I love her. I'm not afraid of her. The whole kingdom's scared of her. Look at what she did to us. She says, No, I'm gonna bring back my sister. And she goes on this journey, climbing mountains, going through snow dealing with an interesting sort of Scandinavian culture throughout where (laughs) all the characters' names are Hans and Sven and they eat lutefisk and they do all sorts of things (laughs) that remind me of my Minnesota upbringing, actually. (laughs) That's right. And and, um, she, along the way, is helped mostly by a wonderful little animated snowman. Yes, a living snowman. Played by Josh Gad, who, being the loving snowman that he is, wants to help this eternal winter be lifted Not, of course, realizing that he can't survive without winter. Yes. But let's play a clip. The party is over. Close the gates. What? Elsa, no, no, wait. (gasps) Give me my glove. Elsa,
0: please, please. I can't live like this anymore. Then leave. So, you mentioned Tangled. And this is written and directed, co-directed by Jennifer Lee, who I think had a hand in Tangled. Um, Well,
1: as you know, I loved Tangled.
0: Me too. I loved Tangled.
1: Tangled, I thought, was, um, as far as fairy tales go, it's one of the best fairy tales ever made on film, I think. And I would say this rivals It might even be better.
0: I would say so, too.
1: It is so smart. It's so clever. It goes places you don't expect it to go. Yes. The lessons it's teaching are... Not what you would ever expect in the first few minutes of watching the movie. You might think, oh, this is your standard fairy tale. There's a yeah. prince charming. There's a queen. There's a castle. No, 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 no. This is not going places you expect it to go. Right. The women, our, our two lead characters, these two women, are so smart. Yeah. They're so strong. And yet they're super vulnerable. They're making mistakes They're growing. They're
0: girly. Anna's very girly. Yeah, loves She she loves dresses. She loves boys. She loves horses. She loves all the things that girls, you know, quote unquote girls love.
1: But that doesn't make her weak or stupid Uh -uh. in any way. And also, the music is phenomenal in this. You have two big Broadway stars. You have Josh Gad, the snowman, who everyone knows best as Elder Cunningham from the Book of Mormon. Right. And Adina Menzel, who most people know best from Wicked on Broadway. Right. And boy, do they belt out those tunes. Yeah. They sound phenomenal. In They're this. both
0: great. the the mu- The music has a very a, a very Broadway ready feel. But um, the two the husband and wife team that wrote it, uh, uh, I think it's Robert is it Roberto Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, his wife. They um, they wrote the they wrote the musical of Finding Nemo, the, the stage musical for Finding Nemo. So oh. it, it has a bit of a Broadway feel to it, which you know I wasn't necessarily that crazy about. But I mean. God, was it nice not to hear like a Katy Perry pop song or like an old '70s disco nugget thrown into a movie, a, a children's animated movie, which is all you ever hear in these freaking movies. It's so refreshing to hear this really smart, funny, nicely written, original music in a in a film like this. I, I was so grateful for it, and I and I totally agree with you that this really seems. I, w- I was I was. This really seems like the first kind of girl like truly girl power movie I've seen from Disney animation in a long time. They've they've had a string of movies recently where they've done where they've had heroines instead of heroes. They've had there was Bolt where you mm-hmm. where the the dog's owner was a girl, um not the not the biggest deal there, but then you had Princess and the Frog, uh you had Tangled and now you've got this one. But this one and the ending is too good to give away. It's but so the good. ending is so, and so smart. It's so surprising, it's so emotionally satisfying, and it's so clever, it's so clever in the message that it delivers that I really just I really just thought, this is this is just fantastic. This is so well done. It's just it's great. I really I really could not say enough good things about it.
1: And I have a question. Yes. Did, did you cry?
0: I did not cry, Kristen. I know, And I know the scene you're thinking of where you thought I was going to start, the yes. scene where I was going to start weeping, yes. but no.
1: I cried a lot during this. Did you? This. Did you cry a lot? Oh, I cried a lot during this movie. I cried so much. And I wasn't the only one. I was sitting right behind an older man critic. You and I didn't see this together. We yeah. saw this one separately. But there was um, an older man in front of me with his little notepad taking notes, and he was crying so much that after the <laughs> lights came up he was composing himself and getting himself back together again. That's awesome. It was great. I just thought, "Oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one whose shirt is covered in tears right now." It's,
0: it's just, really good. It's It's
1: really emotionally satisfying. Yeah.
0: And yeah. I think and I think and I and I would also say I think um although I had a few little there were a few things in the animation that bugged me here and there just because I'm just not a computer animation fan. Um, I think, in a lot of ways, especially the main characters um, queen elsa and and, um, Anna. and Anna and also christoph who who's uh, has the voice of Jonathan Groff uh, Christoph is kind of the sort of a scruffy outdoorsman sort of woodsy kid that uh, that Anna stumbles upon and they they team up together um, those those main characters. They look really good. They look and for some reason Christoph in particular had a real warmth and kind of a reality to him that I don't see very often in computer animation. So I I, I was really I was really pleased for that too. But I I thought it was a I thought it was a great date. It it will probably wind up on my top 10.
1: It's definitely going to be on my top 10. I already just I know hands down it will be on really? my top 10. Yeah, yeah. It was so good. It was definitely one of the best movies of the year and I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad we both liked it. Yeah, and and I just cannot recommend it enough. I I think everyone should bring their families to see this movie. Or if you don't have a family, just go by yourself or bring a date with you. Bring a friend. Yeah.
0: Now, Kristen, you may be slight – we should tell everyone, full disclosure, Kristen may be slightly biased because she got to sit down and interview in person Josh Gad, who was the voice of Olaf the Living Snowman.
1: And he was just absolutely – lovely Rafer. We were so sad you couldn't make it.
0: I was. I was very sad not to be able to make that because I, I thought he would have been a lot of fun to interview. Oh, he was the sweetest. So let's listen to your, your fireside chat with Josh Gad.
1: I want to talk to you a little bit about Olaf here. Yes. Okay, so Olaf was so moving to me. Oh, I was thank w- you. I was really wild about Olaf, and uh, for those who haven't seen the movie yet, Olaf is this wonderful, upbeat, happy snowman who is... A little bit naive, a little bit self-sacrificing. He's trying to help his friends return their kingdom from eternal winter back to summer, not realizing what this will do to him if summer returns. And I was curious, when you're playing a character like Olaf, are you trying to play that character since he's so naive and sweet like a child? Or are you That's trying exactly. to play him like a grown-up?
2: No, the, the the idea is is that he is a child. It's that these two girls – created this snowman at a time in their lives where they they were at their purest and most innocent before things got complicated for them. And so he's the last remnant of that innocence. He's the last remnant of that joy and that hope that was still there before adversity came into their lives. And so I really tried to infuse him with that sense of youthful optimism, with that sense of naivete that you know, kids seem to have, where it's just all bright-eyed and, you know, the possibilities are endless and and he represents that hope. He represents that connection to that time to hopefully bring these sisters back, you know, to that moment when they were happiest.
1: Now, I have to ask a question. Not for me, but somebody asked me to ask you. Uh Uh-oh. Did you draw any inspiration from Frosty the Snowman when you were preparing for this role?
2: (laughs) Frosty was... Uh, Great influence on me. Um, (laughs) He and I sat down. We had a heart-to-heart. He gave me some tips and I – you know, some of them I listened to, others I didn't. No, Frosty is one of those characters that is – he is the essence of When When people think of snowmen, they think of Frosty. It's always the way it's been. So the fact that Olaf is even being thrown into that that sentence alongside of him is is really um, – it's, it's incredible. I hope that that character – my character remains as timeless as his is. Now,
1: I have to say there are a lot of really well-intentioned films for kids that are still just painful as an adult right. to sit through. And some of the messages in the films I find really disconcerting, even films that are supposed to be feminist that don't come off that way. And something I really loved about this movie is I felt that I could show it to my niece or – you have a daughter – where you could show it to her and not feel and not feel at all like the main goal or the main meaning in the female character's lives is I must get married. I must be kissed by my true love. This is the way we're going to live happily ever after. But there are such other more important things that complete us as humans that are a part of the story. And it just, to me, made such a difference in my experience as a grown-up watching it.
2: Well, I absolutely agree. I think it's one of the most empowering feminist animated stories that I've ever seen. And I also think that there's something miraculous about what the storytellers have achieved because it's taking this fairy tale paradigm that we're so accustomed to and flipping it on its head a little bit, you know, so that the the meaning of true love is different than you expect it to be. There are these twists and turns along the way that I – I don't think a lot of the audience ever sees coming. And I, and I think that it somehow feels traditional in the best sense of that word, yet modern at the same time without doing any sort of wink-wink pop cultural references. Um, and I think that that's an, a remarkable achievement. Then you've also got this music written by Bobby Lopez and his wife Kristen oh, the Lopez. the music
1: is so great. That's
2: timeless. So I mean, it, yeah. you let it go to me will inevitably stand up there with Part of Your World or When You Wish Upon a Star as one of those great classic Disney ballads that people will forever remember and sing. And and I think that, you know, that's kind of what's been missing from the animated world in general is they've gone away from that that musical celebration. I remember sitting in a theater and seeing Lion King and people would applaud after the numbers, after Circle of Life. You would get goosebumps and just go into this applause. And I saw that the other day, you know, at a screening of of Frozen, and it took me back. And I was really, I got very emotional because I, I remember what those films meant to me as a kid. And I don't think we've had one in a long time like that.
1: Yeah, and in this movie, you're getting these great Broadway voices at the same time. It's you, it's Adina Menzel. It's like, oh my God, I'm on Broadway and I'm listening to you guys sing these fantastic songs.
2: Yeah, it's really exciting. It's it's always exciting to see people clap in a theater because it's there's nobody there to respond. It's not like <laughs> it's not like the actors are going to hear you. So when it brings out that kind of you know emotional response that that. That response that you just – you're so compelled to just erupt. You know you've done something right. And it's, and it's deeply rewarding to, to sit there screening after screening and hear people react that way.
1: You were the original Elder Cunningham in the Book of Mormon. Yes. And after over a year of doing that and then being in movies playing real characters, playing fictional characters, what's harder? Those roles or playing somebody when you're never even appearing on screen?
2: Oh, that's interesting. Harder in terms of the process? All of it. You know what? E- e- each one of those um, comes with their own sort of difficulties. And with Book of Mormon, it was doing a show eight times a week. Um, that takes a toll after a while. You're, you're exhausted. Um, with... Movies, you know, it's a, it, the fact that you're shooting things out of sequence and you're trying to create this arc in a movie like Jobs, where, you know, I'm trying to map out Steve Wozniak, comes with its own unique set of circumstances that are difficult because you're also portraying a living, breathing human being who, you know, people know and have access to and, and can compare you to. With Frozen or with any animated movie, what's so difficult and also so exciting and thrilling is that all you have is this. All you have is your voice. So you really have to take an audience on a journey with very few resources available to you. And it's about the tone, the timber, the, the rhythm, um, and the quality, the affectation. And when you can create a character with that and then you see what these enormously gifted animators can do with it. It's just this perfect marriage. And I think because I come from theater, I really love that collaborative nature. And so there is no... To me, there is no greater example of collaboration than animation. You have 600 animators, songwriters. Um, you, you have, you know, screenwriters and these directors and everybody working together towards this common goal. That is all about artistry. And that, to me, is... is um, is an unbelievable thing to be a part of.
1: Wow. Well, it, it turned out great. Will, will your daughter be seeing this?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think she'll
1: be confused at all? Daddy, that's your <clears> voice <throat> and that's a snowman. No. <laughs> in fact, I took
2: her to see Monsters University in the theater and I hadn't told her that I was in a movie. I didn't think she'd understand the concept. And my just my laugh came on. It was one of that teaser with the snowman and the reindeer and I didn't have any dialogue. And she literally looked at me and she goes, that's Dada more daddy, more dada and i couldn't believe it. It was i literally was like, yeah, that's daddy and then i turned away and started sobbing uncontrollably. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she loves me so much. Um so it was uh it's it's incredible to be able to share that with her and then i've got another daughter on the way.
1: Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So
2: it's it's kind of like this the fact that they're going to be sisters is also um really interesting considering what Frozen's about and and the parallel there. And, and it's something that I feel like I'll be able to share with them for many years to come.
1: Well, we're so glad to have you in and Thank we're you. so glad we got to share a little bit of time with you. Thank you. I really you.
2: appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, Kristen. So first first Mary Steenburgen, and now Josh Gad.
1: <laughs> you know, we need to set up our schedules better I so that you can be at these interviews. I we, know. We miss you every time you're not at an interview. But, I know. It's a bummer. But, but he was absolutely lovely. And I did ask a question on your behalf. Did you hear that question I, I
0: asked? <laughs> I did. About Frosty? I was, ho- yes. I was hoping that he would consult with Frosty and yes. see if Frosty would give him his blessing.
1: Yeah. So that question was just for you, Rafer. Thanks. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> Thanks for that. All right. Well, let's end on trivia. Let's. As we always do.
0: Uh, okay. Well, so last week we had talked briefly about The Hunger Games and, and one of our favorite uh, characters was Caesar Flickerman, the, the hostile and charming game show host uh, who hosts the, the Hunger Games. So we asked this question, what real-life game show host played kind of a version of himself in another dystopian action film? And we got this answer. Hi, this is Minnie. I'm from New York City. I am calling to answer your trivia question uh, for the game show host one. It is Richard Dawson. He played the game show host in Running Man. Just FYI, that was not me who got it. That was actually my fiancé, Michael Bianchi, also from New York.
2: And uh, that's it. Thanks. Bye.
0: Minnie, thank you so much oh, for calling. <laughs> but what is with your boyfriend?
1: Can we just go over something, Minnie? You write and call in a lot, and we love that you write and call in so we much. Do. But you always you, you always do with the addendum, this is not from me. This is from Michael Bianchi, my fiancé of Long Island, currently residing in Astoria, New York. And we, we know a lot about Michael, but does he actually
0: exist? <laughs> <laughs> Kristen thinks he's fake. Kristen thinks he's fake, and I think he just can't be bothered to pick up a phone.
1: (laughs) Which is it? Which is it? But Michael Bianchi, we dare you at some point to actually call instead of Minnie. Minnie, we love hearing from you, but we'd love to hear if there actually is a Michael Bianchi out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. But thank you to both Minnie and Michael. Thank you to both of you, and congratulations on your engagement. Um, All right. So this week's trivia, Kristen? So this week's trivia question.
1: In honor of the movie Frozen and all things wintry on film, we are asking about a horror movie that is winter-themed that was made within the last five years. It's about three people trapped on a chairlift in a skiing trip gone wrong. Yes. We're just asking you to tell us what the title of that film is. If you know the answer, give us a call, 5717movies.
0: Or you can log on to our website at facebook.com slash podcast. <sighs> Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.
2: Bees the buzz Kids will blow dandelion the lion fuzz And I'll be doing whatever snow does In summer I drink in my hand My snow up against the burning sand Probably getting gorgeously tanned In summer